0: Hey, hey. What's good? Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me sorry on this episode. This one is going to be a little different. I am dedicating, I guess, this episode to my intro to disability studies course because for our final project, we have to talk about the Jedi and we had a different way, or we had a variety of options what to choose from on how to present our information and I chose a podcast because I have one and might as well. So without further ado let's get into it. There are three categories that I will be addressing. It is the Jedi and what it is, disability is diversity, diversity is natural, and disability etiquette. So what is disability justice, equity, and inclusion? So glad you asked. Disability justice is a framework and it seeks to address the systematic injustices and intersections of oppression faced by people with disabilities, especially those from marginalized communities, which can be, in addition to having a disability, they can also be part of the LGBTQIA community, they can be in a low socioeconomic status, they can also be a person of color. Disability justice also emphasizes the importance of challenging ableism. Disability justice incorporates understanding of how oppression intersects and how the interconnectedness, interconnectedness of disability appears in racism, sexism, transphobia, and economic inequality. So there's really just, there's already a level of oppression and discrimination among people with disabilities, and you add on that they are part of the LGBTQIA community, you add on that they are a person of color, you add on that they are in a low socioeconomic status, and that's just more oppression and more marginalization. So disability justice kind of works to try to combat that. Equity refers to ensuring that people with disabilities have equal access to opportunities, resources, and services as those without disabilities. Equity recognizes that individuals may require different levels of support or accommodations to achieve equality, and it identifies and addresses systematic barriers and discrimination that prevents full participation from the people in this community. That can be transportation, education, and employment. So this kind of sees how these barriers can be addressed and removed so that transportation is accessible by everybody, that everybody is included in education, and that everybody has an opportunity to work. Inclusion. Inclusion is actively involving people with disabilities in all aspects of life not just giving them a pass of what they are able to be included in and what they aren't. It is creating an environment where everyone, no matter their ability, feels respected, valued, and involved. It also goes beyond physical access and involves fostering a culture of acceptance and belonging where diversity is celebrated. Everybody wants to be included, you know, when you're excluded and not welcomed. It definitely throws you off your game and kind of tells you that you are not so important and that what you have to say doesn't matter. Inclusion is saying, no, hey, you are important. You are matter. What you say is valued. So together, all of these aim to dismantle ableism and other forms of discrimination while recognizing the challenges faced by the disability community. So part of this category is how this matters or how this shows up in my field and so being sociology sociology deals with people in society at both macro and micro levels so a macro level being systems policies micro level being personal relationships inclusion equal access and opportunity for individuals with disabilities matters because it connects to broader social and structural issues related to inequality, discrimination, and the functioning of society as a whole, and disability also intersects with fundamental sociological concepts. Um, kind of big topics in sociology is race, class, and gender, and disability intersects with all of those if you are a woman you already have preconceived notions about you and um are told different things and you add disability on top of that and it's just a double whammy and so what are issues that i have found related to my field um well looking at disability and Society in the educational world, some studies done that have looked at people with disabilities group their participants into just the disabled category rather than grouping them into what their disability is. They are ignoring the diversity, which I will get into later, but it is just saying, yeah, all these people are disabled. Okay, cool, but there is no one disability. And so, the evidence that I have for this is from a variety of sources that I found for my Research Basics class. My topic is accommodations for students with disabilities in higher education and how they kind of go about the process of receiving accommodations, how they feel about it, what their thoughts are, and just different factors that kind of impact their accommodations. So, in most of the studies that I found, disability was kind of just the broad term used. Some of them were good and categorized them as um, depression, ADHD. I think some still were a little broad and said learning disabilities. Um, But, yeah. So, the issue being that... In, edu- in the educational world, some people just see disability as disability and not realizing that there's many disabilities and that the accommodations necessary is not one is good for all. It's that each person needs a different accommodation. Another issue I found relates to the social mobility of young people with disabilities. Excuse me. Um... The article that I found for this is called, the title of the website is called The Conversation and it was done in the UK and it basically, sh- um, the study done showed that disabled young people are more likely to be unemployed compared to their non-disabled companions and as a result they're less likely to experience the upward mobility because They don't have the opportunity or option because they are already deemed as unfit by employers. And so they can't move up the social ladder. They can't get a better paying job or have good working conditions. You know, they're kind of just stuck. And... There's an intersectionality that plays along because it also relates to their social class. Whereas, you know, it's a young person and they have a disability, so they're already at a disadvantage. But if you also add that they are in a lower social class, they don't have the same chances of gaining upper mobility as one of their peers who is non-disabled and maybe in a lower social class, but who is non-disabled and in a higher social class than them and this research just found that where is it i'm sorry i'm looking at what i wrote for this um trying to figure out how do i want to word this yeah the article and the research just kind of found that those who are part of the upper and middle classes had parental support and the resources needed to help them overcome the barriers and obstacles that they faced in education and employment, whereas those who were part of the lower class did not have access to the resources and um, that can just impact their upper mobility. Um, and. The article also talked about education in relation to work and how people with disabilities already face challenges and barriers in the educational world. I'm, that I'm so sorry about my roommates. Um, in the educational world and then it translates into more barriers and more challenges in the employment world. And so advances that have been made I didn't find a lot. Um, I did find that different sources are explaining what JEDI is and explaining how to implement it, and so that's an advancement because having it explained and saying how you can apply it can benefit all aspects of life, I guess. You know, it can impact social environments, school environments, and work environments. Some recommendations that I have is that there should be more societal education about disabilities. I did not know about disability history until I took this class, and I honestly think that that is unacceptable. So, in my opinion, schools should implement disability history into their courses, whether that is starting in elementary school or starting it in middle school and then going deeper in-depth in high school and requiring it in college. I think that it is necessary for people to learn about. Another recommendation I have is for faculty training programs in schools to be implemented so that students with disabilities have a more effective and efficient learning environment. This can also be tied into employers and employees also having training programs. Because I believe the training programs will not only make them knowledgeable in disabilities and the challenges that people with disabilities face, but it'll also help them, I don't want to say deal with or handle, but I guess it'll help them interact with their students with disabilities or their employees who have disabilities and just the proper way of doing that rather than just assuming. And having these implicit biases that they are incapable and not able to get their work done. And I also think that designers should see how accessible schools, workplaces, event um, environments really are and should see what can be done to make it more accessible because yeah there may be seating for people with wheelchairs but what is the process of them getting there is there a straight shot to it or do they have to go around the back because that's where the ramp is you know things like that so let me drink some water real quick okay going into the next topic disability is diversity diversity is natural what does that mean well For one, diversity is a synonym as variety, so disability is variety, variety is natural. Disability is an umbrella term that includes many different disabilities and how they affect people. So as I said earlier, there's not just one disability. There are broad categories such as physical, cognitive, sensory, mental health, and learning disabilities and there's even a level below that of the specific diagnoses so you have cerebral palsy, spinal cord injury, down syndrome, blindness, depression, dyslexia, ADHD, and so much more. Um, also there's diversity in how it affects people um, because there is a difference in length of how long people with disabilities have had their disability. Some are born with disability some acquire it due to an accident or other reasons and we will become disabled when we get older because you know our hearing might start to fail our eyesight might start to fail and we become part of the disability community and this was found on the Forbes website on four ways to understand the diversity of disability. Um, but yeah, disability is diversity, diversity is variety. We have variety in every aspect of life. There's a variety of foods, there's a variety of races. There's a variety of cultures. They're not just one race, one religion, one culture. Similarly, there's not just one disability. So we can't just say, oh yeah, this person's disabled. They have one disability. No, it's not true. Or like every, sorry, everybody in the disability community has one disability. That's not true. And while experiences may be similar in how they've experienced oppression, discrimination, marginalization, there are still differences and that can be seen in the needs and accommodations that they need. It's not all going to be the same. And so understanding that there are many different disabilities can help non-disabled people move forward in figuring out what people need and how to help. There's also the understanding that the different experiences can give us a glimpse into their world and life when we actively listen to them, we're not gonna understand 100% because we don't have the disability, but they know better than anybody else because they're the ones who have the disability. We can't just group disability as one. We have to be willing to learn, accept, and accommodate each person. So, moving on to disability etiquette, what is it? Just as there is museum etiquette of not touching paintings, there is etiquette in what to say, what not to say, what to do, what not to do, when interacting with people with disabilities. Ugh. Sorry, I was drinking water. Anyway, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Adding on to, you know, knowing what to say and what not to say, in our vocabulary, society has made it okay for us to think that certain terms and phrases that we say are okay when they're not. And so there may be some ableist and offensive terms that we might not be aware about until somebody points them out. At least that's how it was for me taking this course. Like, I didn't realize some microaggressions that I was participating in was detrimental to the disability community. And so disability etiquette helps us know how to interact more effectively. It is asking people with disabilities if they need help and waiting for their response. We, don't, we can't assume that they always need help because they're their own person and they are capable of living life. They have been for who knows how many years before you met them. If you just recently met them or even if you've known them your whole life, you know that they're capable. Um, part of disability etiquette is the language so there's person first language and identity first language and it's important when interacting with somebody to ask them how they want to be addressed do they want to be addressed as a person with autism or an autistic person disability etiquette is remembering that people with disabilities are people they're not objects and that their access is just as important as ours And it's understanding that when we don't like people to assume things about us, why would people with disabilities like things assumed about them? So, I have six categories I'm going to go over and give you some suggestions and tips on how to interact with people who may have these disabilities. If you have somebody in your life with this disability or... If you by chance come across somebody with this disability, um, before I get into the specific ones, overall I want to say that it's acceptable to ask questions if you are unsure how to proceed or what to do, and that comes from National Disability Navigator Resource Collaborative, and so these suggestions and tips are coming from Disability In, that's the website. Um. Sorry, I should have had these pulled up, I thought I did. The National Disability Navigator Resource Collaborative that I just said, the United Spinal Association, tips for interacting with people with disabilities, as well as Accessible campus. So the first group that I'm going to talk about is orthopedic impairments slash mobility issues. Issues, I am so sorry, mobility disability. So sorry. If someone is using a wheelchair, address them as wheelchair user instead of saying they are confined to wheelchair. So again, Going to that language, language is important. Don't touch their mobility equipment without their permission. Be considerate of possible pain, balance, or post-traumatic stress concerns during physical contact because you don't know the severity unless you ask. People who use canes or crutches need their arms to balance themselves, so Never grab them unless you ask them if they need help. And again, wait for their response. Don't just assume. And some people have limited use of their hands, wrists or arms. So when being with this person or even people, be prepared to offer assistance with reaching, grasping or lifting objects. Moving on to deaf and hard of hearing, ask people how they prefer to communicate. Some people prefer sign language, some people prefer notes, just it's it's respectful to ask. Slow your speaking rate if you tend to be a rapid speaker. Um, People who are deaf or hard of hearing will also lip read. And if we just speak at our normal um, speed, it might be hard for them to discern what we are saying. And in order to help with that, make sure you have good light on your face. Lighting can make all the difference. If a person can't lip read, try note taking and write down um, what you're trying to say and communicate. And pause between sentences to make sure that you're understood. Don't just assume that they were able to grasp everything you said, you know, make sure to pause and see if they're up to um, speed or or if you need to um, repeat what you said. Blindness and visual impairments. Speak directly facing the person your The sound of your voice will help orient them so that they can face you and your natural speaking tone is sufficient. You don't need to talk louder or talk slower, however you talk to a normal person. That's how you talk to them. Let them know if you're leaving so that they don't continue talking and talk to nobody. If the person uses a service animal, do not pet or talk to the animal. The animal needs its attention to focus on its surroundings and help the, um, their owner. When offering information in alternative formats such as braille, large print, discs, or audio, ask which method um, and format is best for the person. And direction should be given for the way that they are facing or should be using left or right. Don't say, oh, it's this way or it's that way because they don't know what that means. So, for example, if they're asking where the restroom is, you can say the restroom is about seven steps in front of you and take a left. Mental health disabilities. Be confident and reassuring to the person and make sure that you listen to them. Don't just brush them off. Treat people with mental health disabilities with the same respect and consideration you would show anyone else. Learn about the different resources available to assist persons with mental health disabilities. If you're aware of someone's mental illness, it should not affect the way you treat them. And ask how best you can be of help, but if it's an emergency situation, then seek emergency help. Autism, speak to the person as you would any other adult or child. They are a regular person. They don't need to be, there doesn't need to be a shift in tone in how you speak to them. Wait for a response if you ask a question or give a direction because it may take time for them to process what you said. be clear literal and concise in your speech don't assume that the person isn't paying attention if they don't look at you and changes in routine or schedule may be upsetting or confusing so explain the change ahead of time Um, something that I've learned is that most people with autism like a routine and so when there's a change it can kind of I don't know if aggravates the right word but it can upset them and so telling them that there's going to be a shift and change can help them prepare for that lastly cognitive disabilities now these affect one's understanding memory language judgment learning and any other related information it can also affect their processing and ability to communicate effectively so Make sure that the person understands your message. When offering help, wait until your offer is accepted before doing anything. Offer information in a clear, concise, concrete and simple manner and sometimes adding visuals may also help kind of help them connect the dots. Allow time for people to process your words. A slow or lack of response doesn't always mean that they didn't hear you. And look directly at the person when talking to them, not their assistant or support person or parent or even partner. So, that is all that I have for you. I hope you learned something. I hope you enjoyed. I will do my best to edit this so you don't hear all of the background noise, and I apologize if I do not do the best. Um, But I hope that you learned something and that you took something away. And... Yeah, I will see you next time.